think, I mean, when Joe Hart was in his peak at Manchester City, one of his best games I saw was uh, against Barcelona. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. from Messi and everything, and you thought, wow, this is so good. And obviously, as, as you say, Stuart, you know, it's good for, for the national team. But just on Henderson, why would Manchester United sell to Chelsea? Yeah. Why would they sort of almost guarantee Chelsea's presence in the Champions League for probably the next sort of three, four seasons? I will be surprised. It would be against everything that Manchester United are, 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 are trying to uh, are trying to build. By the way, a really good point on Tom Heaton. So I thought, you know, who was so good on the pitch. They lost a real leader. If you've met mm-hmm. Tom, he's just one of the most likable people. Really important in the FAs on the uh, on the FA committee. Just just one of those really good, solid pros. Very funny guy. I mean, I, I went to see him at, um, but when he was at Burnley at the Burnley training ground. And he said, uh, you know, do you, do you like cricket? And I said, well, yeah, I prefer football, but I like cricket. And he just showed me around the, the dressing room where they, where they play cricket when they've, you know, they've got a few moments sort of after training. Um, and he's just one of these just real sort of bubbly, enthusiastic characters, genuinely likeable, you know, say, how are you? How's the family? How are things going? You know, how's the press box? You know, just, he's just one of those really good guys. And, mm. you know, me as a sort of, you know, as an outsider, as a journalist, instinctively warms to him you can imagine what he's like in the in the dressing room with that ebullience that element of defiance so you know I think Villa had a little bit of a dip when you know he wasn't there sort of emotionally they missed him as well as obviously mm. they, you know they stayed up and really did well but uh, I absolutely agree I think Heaton's got a couple more serious years ahead of him yeah, got uh, two more questions, right? There's one about, specifically about English goalkeepers, and we mentioned about how there's been a lack of them um, at the top level since Joe Hart. And Henry, I'll, I'll ask you this question specifically because you've worked, uh, you've talked to Joe numerous times. I remember you doing an interview, uh, interview with him entirely a few years ago, right? Um, do you reckon their footwork comes into question a lot more than it should do because they're typically English and they're typically perceived as shot stoppers more than they are? in terms of their technical prowess? Is that maybe a myth that's hindered English goalkeepers? I, I think that's a good, that's, you know, that is a legitimate point. I think it's also, you're seeing it with goalkeepers across the board now, is that they are because Pep is expecting them to be, so, you know, the, the sweeper keepers have, have come in. So I think it, that is a scrutiny on all modern goalkeepers, their ability with the ball at their, their, their feet. I think possibly. I mean, going back a bit, slightly against my argument. I mean, Van der Sar was always very good with his with his feet. And he sort of mm. brought that through. Um, I, I do. I agree with you. I think that is an issue with Joe Hart. I mean, Pep Guardiola was was very sort of explicit on that when he came in. He said, you know, he wanted a goalkeeper who was good with his, you know, with his with his feet. I, I feel a bit for Joe Hart. Aches. I like him as a bloke, but also I just think, you know, what a. He loves playing for England. He loves playing at the top level. He's not one of these individuals who's driven exclusively by money. He just wants to play. He showed me his, if you look at his hands close up and all, obviously goalkeeper, it's the tools of their trade. They take a hammering. Joe's fingers are all over the place because, I mean, he can literally go through and he said, well, that little finger was bent out of joint there by a shot from whoever. You know, the, it's it's the sort of timeline of his career when you look at when you look at his hands. So he, he he told me how long it takes to prepare his hands. It's almost like a boxer before games. I mean, Stuart, you know, it's like you know how they have to sort of prepare and how you know it could take him like sort of ten fifteen minutes just to get his hands ready before he even puts the, the gloves on. That sort of dedication to his craft, that love of his craft. I think on a on a mm. back to a sort of theme of today, the sort of the, the human element to professionals to goalkeepers in particular, that isolation, that scrutiny that they have with one mistake. I really feel for sort of 
Joe Hart at times. Yeah. Mm. I mean, some people yeah. don't have much sympathy for him because they've seen him on the pitch and they remember Perlow sort of, you know, uh, Penenka, yeah. against him in the Euros. But actually, there's a man who really cares about his craft, who will have sleepless nights over. But I think just a sort of broader point on, on goalkeepers generally, they don't go home and forget about it. They go home and take those mistakes with them mm. and they will live with them with a long time. So, look, I, I just hope to see Joe playing at the, the top level because I don't think he's, he's finished at the top level yet. But coming back to your first point about footwork, absolutely. It's, it's something that all players, all goalkeepers need now. And I think it was clearly an issue for, uh, for Pep Guardiola with Joe Hart and effectively ended his time at Manchester City. Yeah, he's a very, very, I, I totally agree with you, Joe Hart, because the work I do with English Schools uh, Football Association is, you know, we obviously have a lot of national finals, et cetera, et cetera. And Joe does so much for that local area of Shrewsbury, where he's from, and as, as goes to watch uh, sort of county matches, schools county matches in that area. He's been to national finals, um, Shrewsbury Schools FA, you know, he does a lot of work for those guys. Um, and it's just great that he's been to national finals, national schools finals that obviously, you know, we've, we've been fortunate enough to put on. He's come along, he's been very, very sort of, uh, you know, brilliant with the kids, brilliant with the parents, talking to the goalkeepers, you know, these guys 12, 13, 14 years old. And he's talking to them about, you know, goalkeeping, et cetera, et cetera, just giving them his time. And again, it goes back to what we were saying about how you, you make people feel, the integrity that he's got. You know, no, no actual time is, you know, too short. He'll go and speak to them and he'll give them absolutely ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, for a goalkeeper who is, you know, exceptional, I do think he's been, you know, I do hope he manages to get himself a, a game soon. I mean, I just want to, anyway, I just want to ask you as well. I mean, for, for obviously a guy who's won four golden gloves, I mean, it's, it's clear, of course, how good Joe Hart is. He's only 33, so in obviously goalkeeping terms, he's still not that old at all. What? Why do you think he's going to be, say exactly, it's been a downfall since he's left City, but it's definitely, of course, not been great nice. for him. Yeah. What, what, why is that? I mean, whether you call it downfall, I think it's certainly been a slide. I think it's yeah. been deep frustration. I mean, I've had a couple of long conversations with him at, um, about it. I don't, you know, he's... He was happy in London. He was, you know, his private life was very strong. He's got new kids. Um, I, don't, I, I really don't know. I think it's one of the saddest. I mean, look, it is partly a technical thing. I mean, people who are trained goalkeepers occasionally say well, he does have a, a weakness. I think it's getting down to his left. He's being exploited yeah. there. We've seen that with, with England. But then, you know, I've talked to him about that. And he said, well, that's, that's not an issue, um, you know. And also a professional, if they've got weaknesses, as we all do in our professional lives, you address them and he will have yeah. done that as well. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it is, you know, I just hope we just see a last hurrah of, of Joe Hart. We mm. just see him having an Indian summer of maybe sort of, you know, a couple of seasons, maybe with a newly promoted team. And he just has a fantastic time with them. And I think also, I don't know well enough, but he strikes me as someone who, who, who needs to feel loved and wanted and respected. Mm. Um, and maybe that would absolutely bring the best out of him. So look, well, we'll you know, we'll uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, um, I think guys, I've got two questions to ask. Um, first one is um, I know that, again English goalkeeper fund. We we mentioned them in a bit of like a a, a term where we don't have any explicit world class goalkeepers, or we don't we don't we maybe refrain from saying that explicitly now. But beforehand in the past, we've been blessed with uh, a litany of goalkeepers. We've been Gordon Banks, Peter Shilton. Uh, Ray Clements, David Seaman, to name a few. 
Um, guys, I wanted to ask you, Stu and Henry, um, maybe Stu specifically first and foremost, right? What do you reckon mm. English goalkeepers had within them that made us so great in the past? Um, well, I think, you know, you go back to sort of the 70s and 80s, as you've identified, you had Ray Clements, Peter Shilton, two goalkeepers who at both at the different points in their career were the best in the world. Um, fantastic goalkeepers. It's a shame they were both around at the same time, I suppose you could say. Um, and then under that, you had Joe Corrigan, uh, Jimmy Rimmer, Phil Parks, Paul Cooper, Gary Bailey, um, you know, who again, good quality goalkeepers. I mean, Rimmer and, and Cooper both won domestic and European honours with their, with their clubs. Uh, Parks and Bailey both won domestic honours. Uh, Phil Parks, I think, at one point was the world's most expensive goalkeeper, uh, moving from QPR to West Ham. I think it was about £350,000, I think, at the yeah. time. Um, so, again, good goalkeeper. And underneath that, you had another layer of goalkeepers, the Tony Goddens, the Paul Bradshaws of this world, both at uh, West Brom and Wolves. Uh, again, good, solid, professional goalkeepers. And it was very unheard of at that time. You know, you go back to the 70s and early 80s. Um, that you had had like a, a foreign goalkeeper, Milja Alexic and Peter Barotta spring to mind, but they weren't long-term, uh, you know, and they weren't around forever. Um, and then not only that, you had the British goalkeepers as well, the Neville Southalls, the Pat Jennings, Jim Blythe, Jim Platt. Again, great, good professional goalkeepers who played, you know, a number of games. And it was all, in, you know, really, really sort of good hands, literally, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> so where, where, where it's gone, I just think, again, it's probably the, the advent of the Premier League, I suppose you could say, with the influx of those sort of foreign players, the more money players, teams needing success, um, Schmeichel being the sort of the catalyst of it. Um, David Seaman, obviously, with the exception, you know, fantastic goalkeeper and, and obviously, you know, one of the best in the world. Um, but I do, I do think again, probably that that I don't think necessarily much has changed in terms of, um, you know, those English goalkeepers are still there. I just think the opportunity and the exposure to the level uh, that they need to be given, um, you know, is 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 not there sadly at the moment. And as I said earlier, it would be great to see those English goalkeepers being given the opportunity in, in the Europa League, in, in obviously the, the Champions League, rather than being sort of put out on loan to somewhere in the EFL or, or wherever it might be. Mm. Um, but I do think that we've had in the past a huge, huge number of goalkeepers, good quality goalkeepers. Um, but I just think because of the Premier League and the advent of that, I think that the, the need for success, people are now the influx of those players, I think has had a detrimental effect on the England goalkeeper. To the point, I mean, you look at the golden generation in the early sort of 2000s of the Lampards, Gerard Scholes, Ashley Cole, uh, you know, Wayne Rooney. The one thing they were missing, from my point of view, was a world-class goalkeeper. Had Agreed. David James, yeah. Paul Robinson, David James, Robert Green. Excellent goalkeepers, don't get me wrong. Good, solid professionals, but didn't have that, that, that X factor that would have maybe given us that opportunity to go on and be, win, a, win a major uh, a title. Yeah. I mean, Sean's sh sh point about the you know the advent of the Premier League and the influx of foreign coaches, so goalkeepers. I think a lot of that is tied in with uh, with financial reasons. Mm. I think uh, if you're a manager in that era, you would spend the majority of your budget on centre forwards um, and central midfielders, and then what you had left over, you think, oh, by the way, I need a goalkeeper. Where can I get a cheap goalkeeper? Now, there's always a premium on English players. And uh, young English goalkeepers would go for a fair fair amount. I mean, Kirkland was what sort of eight million. Whereas if you can mm. then at the time just go and buy a you know a, 
a, a goal, an international quality goalkeeper from Poland, Czech Republic, or wherever, um, for half that money, then I think that you know that obviously then you know more and more came in. But rewinding your 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 point to when British goalkeepers were the best in the world, I think that's also partly down to their character because they were mm. slightly mad because they threw themselves in you know into really physical when the game was so physical when they would take elbows when you had Mitt Harford running you that sort of era I think this were British goalkeepers because and I can't really stray into stereotypes but I think there was a, a I mean, look at Bob Wilson I mean Bob Wilson oh, madman I mean flinging himself at at, at, um, at attackers feet you know there was a they just absolutely you know there was a sort of bravery to, yeah. to the British goalkeeper that we see it in all goalkeepers now you know you've seen some of the wax that uh, Edison and Allison have taken you know these are brave individuals um, I just think in that era that uh, maybe they were amongst the best in the world because of obviously maybe coaching to an extent to but also I think it was something in them they were just sort of brave slightly mad yeah <laughs> I mean I was going to quickly ask as well I mean I was way too young to kind of know any impact of it um, but when Juventus signed Buffon I think it was for 40 million euros or around about then. What did that do to the goalkeeping slash football world? Because, of course, you're saying about how, obviously, foreign keepers are going for not as much. But, of course, then you've got, I know he moved, obviously, domestically still, he moved within the country. But how did that do for actual football as a whole to see a keeper go for that amount? I think it was good in a way, wasn't it? I mean, suddenly sort of goalkeepers were appreciated as, mm. as superstars. I mean, but look, Buffon from a young age was, was, was clearly going to be a star I remember yeah. I, I covered the playoff that Italy played against Russia in Moscow, and it was because England was supposed to be there, but they qualified. I think before Euro two thousand, and he um, it was absolutely chucking it down with snow. I think it was in either Dynamo or Locomotive Stadium in in, in Moscow. And he had to come off the bench. He had short sleeves. He was a kid, and he was absolutely brilliant. And you thought there, you just thought, wow, what you know, what a what a prospect that, that he is. So I think he was always seen as a as a, as a talent coming through. But I think it's good that goalkeepers are being properly yeah. appreciated in terms of I mean, you know, this is a podcast on goalkeepers. You know, I think a few years ago you might not necessarily have had that. I think it's fantastic that they are being respected in their, you know, in their own right. They're going for big sums. People are appreciating them now. And actually now this in a way this is the era of the goalkeeper in terms of they're the ones who start the moves. You know, we've yeah. seen goalkeepers having assists. You know, it's quite a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see. And I'm glad that the goalkeepers are not seen as mad, bonkers. I mean, you know, even Stu's dog started barking the moment we mentioned David De Gea. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, you know, that was the reaction a lot of goalkeepers uh, have. But I actually think now that they are, they're going for, you know, they are being highly respected. And I think yeah. maybe we'll see one of them challenged for the Ballon d'Or in, you know, in, in, in years yeah. to go. Yeah. They're important. Yeah. Neuer yeah. did in 2014, yeah. Like, Robert so. More than justified, of course, the influence he had. And no, of course, it, it's it's nice to see, actually. I think I think a lot of underappreciated positions now are getting a bit more... Um, Kudos. Yeah. yeah, like respect, because I mean... Obviously, centre-backs were a crucial thing, but again, I'm guessing to see a centre-back go for 70-odd, um, about how Van Dijk did, even when, obviously, they made that signing, everyone was like, what, 72 million or however much it was on the centre-back? That's that's shocking. But obviously, look at the look how influential he actually is. And I mean, it's not changed. Centre-backs have always been influential. The position they've done has always been, obviously, a massive deal. And yet, they're finally getting the respect. And of course, now, 
keepers are also getting that respect as well. So obviously they're the ones that can make or break games. Yeah. I think the goalkeepers always had the respect in, well, from my point of view, I think the goalkeepers always had the respect internally in terms yeah. of the club. You look at, for example, even going back, um, Ike Casillas, uh, yeah. Oliver Kahn, Manuel Neuer, all captains, all captains of their team, all captains of their country. Dino Zoff. Obviously Hugo Lloris. Um, and, you know, these guys are obviously world-class and, um, and obviously, as I said, hugely respected. So I think that, you know, the tide is turning and it's nice now that they're getting that, you know, it's more not just an internal thing. It's more of a public thing now in terms of the, you know, the role of the goalkeeper, not just obviously, you know, the shot stopper, but the guy who's obviously linking play together, the person who's always been, you know, the madman, if you like, and the, the guy who's sort of shouting and organising but now can actually settle down and actually play a little bit too. I think, do you think in the future more of them will go on and become managers? Because you make that point that they are leaders. They are getting the, uh, the, the credit and rightly the respect. And also their position on the field. They instinctively will have to read how their own attacks are developing, how the opposing uh, attacks are developing. There is a sort of tactical, huge tactical element to their job. I know it's only one position compared to 10 other positions in terms of moving on into management. But do you think we'll see more goalkeepers going on and becoming managers? I certainly hope so. I think that would be tremendous. Again, just to, you, don't, you don't often see that, you know, and it's, it's, it's a real shame because I do think that from the, the perception they have and the viewer they have on the pitch, they can see everything. They're the absolute eyes. They've got everything in front of them. Um, they're very analytical as well. I, I think it will be fantastic to see in a few years' time a few of these goalkeepers, you know, to take up coaching and management. But yeah. why, so why hasn't it happened so far? You know, it's, it's just like they go and become goalkeeping coaches. But Yeah, there's been a couple, hasn't there? Walter Zenger dabbled with management, didn't he? And as you've mentioned, obviously, uh, the... the uh, um, was Jose Mourinho? Was he a goalkeeper? I think he played in goal in the past, yeah. isn't he? Uh, uh, Nuno's one I pointed, the one at Wolves. Nuno, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and again, you know, I think that it's just, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know why they haven't gone on, and you know, I suppose the logical thing would be to do the the goalkeeping coaching and getting those coaching badges. But I, I, I don't know. Actually, it's a really good point. Why have they not gone on and uh, and taken it to the next stage and been a a manager. When you did your pro license, were there any goalkeepers just doing the general pro license course? All of my badges I've managed to do. Unfortunately, there's, there's hardly been any goalkeepers on them at all. It's funny because whilst that conversation, I remember doing my A license. Uh, in fact, I did a, even going back in the day when they used to do the preparatory weekends. Um, uh, my B license, there was no. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be there with with the likes of Brian Kilcline and, and Steve Wicks and Jimmy Neighbour, but none. No goalkeepers, no goalkeepers at all, which is strange. You said it's logical for them to become a goalkeeping coach, but why is that the logical step? And I know, I technically, you just said you don't know realistically, but I mean, it's interesting to see that a goalkeeping coach is the logical step, but not actually going into coaching. Um, it's interesting to see that that's the logical step because, of course, you don't get that for other players having that sort of logical step where it's just like to go into the club and just maybe be help them out help out attackers or midfielders, but for whatever reason, for goalkeepers, the logical step is just become a goalkeeping coach. And I think that's down to the qualification itself. You don't, you have a, a separate goalkeeping qualification as opposed to a, okay. know, a striker's qualification, if you like, or a defensive qualification. When you do the badges, you obviously do, uh, you know, the, the small-sided games, the large-sided games, et cetera, et cetera. So you obviously take on the 11, the 11 aside uh, and you look at all aspects of that. Whereas the goalkeeping coaching badges are specifically for that. Um, 
but yeah, why there aren't many or or, or any uh, goalkeeping, uh, you know, former goalkeepers who are managers? It's yeah, it's, it's a, because also again, you take that to the personality of the person, and goalkeepers usually are quite outgoing and very confident, uh, you know, usually. Um, so it's interesting that uh, I know that obviously, you know, talking about those two excellent goalkeepers earlier on, I mean, both Peter Shilton and Ray Clements dabbled in a little bit of management, Shilton at Plymouth and Clements at Barnet. Um, but both of them at various different points took over the role of the England goalkeeping coach and Clements held that post for, you know, for, for, for years, really the national goalkeeping coach. But again, Joe Corrigan was at Liverpool for a while being the Liverpool goalkeeping coach. Um, but yeah, I, I, why they've not actually gone into management, that's a, that's a very good point. Tim Flowers is doing it, but I guess it's slightly Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, forgot about there, 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 is, there is some hope, but it's always struck me as sort of slightly, you know, oh, but then having done, I, I covered um, Peter Shilton's managerial debut at, uh, at at Plymouth, and it didn't, you know, just talking to the local journalist there, it, it didn't strike me that it was going to be a long-term relationship. No, no, yeah. I, I agree, yeah. I don't know, I think if there's one thing I might sort of care to sort of weigh in is that I feel like maybe the public profile goalkeeper hinders them in some way as well, that fun ball. They end up the ones that get the, 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 the modeling deals on the advertising contracts or, you know, you don't build a career of, of sort of being a goalkeeper. You don't tend to be the one that's sort of the face of the club. And because of that, I feel like that maybe sort of does maybe, it, I feel like in my view anyway, it does sort of maybe hinder you in terms of you being a manager because then how, you're, how are the fans supposed to buy into someone maybe bringing exciting football, bringing a club like a sort of unit? bringing a, a vision that can unify the club together, you kind of think, he's a goalkeeper, though. what did he know about outfield play? What does he, do you know what I, mean? I think there, there might be that. I don't know if I'm being unfair in saying that, but I feel like sometimes the profile of the goalkeepers, you don't remember that like you said that David James in comparison to Steven Gerrard, do you know what I mean? I think that's maybe what I might care to weigh in that, that it's hard to sort of, for people to even play a goalkeeper because of that sometimes. Well, that yeah, but the, I, I understand what you're saying there, Joel, although I did have the pleasure of going to the Tottenham ground on Monday, and I have to say, Hugo Lloris is absolutely everywhere. Obviously, the unveiling of the new night kit as well, that's, um, that, that, that's obviously in the store. He, he's everywhere over there in terms of posters and, and advertising, being the captain, of course, as well. So, you know, I think he does get his, um, they do get a lot of, I, th I think it's changing a little in that respect in terms of the, the general promotion of it all. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's good to hear, Twins. I think if there's one last question I've got to ask uh, personally is that um, with other countries as well, I know we mentioned uh, Brazil as well, and I know that uh, I read something in an article, an intriguing one that said that they've been working a lot on uh, in recent years on the physical aspect of their goalkeepers rather than the, the technical aspect because with their feet and all, they'll be like Brazilian, obviously you're, you're, you're baptising, sort of having that footwork and that technical uh, prowess. But the the physical side of things, something they've ingrained within their goalkeepers, sort of give them an edge over maybe European goalkeepers. Like, do you reckon? Uh, have you ever have you guys each heard of anything that other countries are doing that have caught your eye to the goalkeepers to the de their development? Well, I think with Brazil, it possibly dates back to Dida. I mean, you, you, yeah. you look at an imposing goalkeeper like him. I mean, I sort of grew up watching sort of Tafara, completely different. You know, different physical specimen, but still an exceptional goalkeeper. And you know, and and what he did. I mean, I th I would hate it if all goalkeepers now had to be six foot four and you know, sort of almost sort of just straight out of the gym. Because I still think there is a you know an opportunity for someone. But you know, if if you're if you're six foot one, you're considered too short to be a goalkeeper. And I just don't think it can be completely 
down to sort of you know the physical elements so much of it as we've been talking about comes back to sort of you know emotional strength like tom heaton tom heaton he's not tall but he's always been a very good goalkeeper because of his strength of personality so look i, I take your point about the sort of you know the physical element um but in a way for goalkeepers the game is becoming less physical they're not being battered around all over the place so be interesting to see how they do develop but the one thing i think we can we do know about what's going to happen with goalkeepers is they're going to become more and more footballers they're going to yeah. play and play and play play out mm. from that it's what pep wants it's it's what you know most of the leading managers want it's what southgate wants with england which is you know why there's a bit of pressure on pickford but pickford has still got that 70 yard delivery coming back to where this whole podcast started it will pickford retain his place i just think that you know he can launch attacks and yeah. southgate loves that yeah. I don't necessarily think that Pickford's done that much wrong for England, really, in the games that he's played. He's, as far, you know, he's, he's been solid. Obviously, he's been fantastic in the penalty shootouts and, you know, in the World Cup, in the, in the Nations League. So, you know, he, he, he may have his, his critics at Everton and he may not have been performing, you know, but when he's put on an England shirt, he certainly hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. And, and Stu, do you reckon, like, again, um, do you reckon... England aren't that sort of far away to the other countries in terms of their development of goalkeepers, in terms of like their coaching and what they're taught in terms of like, um, yeah, growing up as goalkeepers. Or do you reckon there are other things or other little idiosyncrasies you've spoken from other nations that have maybe sort of given them an edge over in England um, from a goalkeeper standpoint? Um, not, not really. I mean, obviously, you look at it now, it's all very by the, the UEFA coaching guidelines so you've obviously got the, the badges there that the the goalkeeping you know we've alluded to um there's obviously a, a a certain uh sort of criteria that the goalkeeping coaches but you know goalkeeping training is is very very you know reactions shot stopping crosses um organization communication distribution those sort of things don't necessarily change there are skills that goalkeeper obviously needs and obviously as we've identified you've got distribution that has become more to the fore recently with regards to the feet, you know, the goalkeeper not being able to pick the back pass up, um, you know, distribution with the throw now and the control. And the, as soon as the goalkeeper gets the ball, the centre halves obviously peeling out wide, fullbacks pushing on, giving the ball easily, playing with the feet uh, rather than just being able to smash it upfield, as it were. So uh, I think that's the, the only real key change. Other than that, you know, you look at... Um, I've noticed that a lot more goalkeepers seem to parry the ball now as opposed to holding it, but that may be something to do with the, 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 the quality of the ball and the lightness and the fact that it moves around a lot. Yeah. But other than that, I think the training is the, you know, is the training. There might be some slight idiosyncrasies that other coaches have got on board and brought, brought in, but it is, you know, it is very, uh, you know, as I've identified, a certain criteria that you need to go through, really. Yeah. On that note, I did, I did want to ask, Obviously, we've we've spent obviously a lot of time talking about English keepers and about how obviously good they are. I don't know if you'll class any of them not what not not world class, but you've got the likes of Germany, for example. They've had <coughs> Neuer um, to Stegen, so youth coming up as well, like Nobel, who's going obviously into Bayern Munich. You've got the likes of Italy, who've had Buffon, um, had added well. They've got Alex Mera and Donnarumma. Do you think maybe it's because, I don't know, the goalkeeper's in the spotlight a lot more now that you're seeing the quality of these, but how come England haven't got maybe, we still kind of, obviously we spoke about Jordan Pickford and obviously how he's very likely to be the star, but it's still not a, yeah, he's the one. Yeah, what do you think England need to do to kind of, 
is it something in the coaching that needs to change or is it something that is just we're just in an era where the keepers just aren't as good or what do you think needs to change if anything does I don't necessarily think I mean we've we've been speaking for the last you know however many minutes about Henderson mm-hmm. uh, about Pope about Heaton um, you know these are goalkeepers that are, that, are, that are coming through and I think the thing that Pickford needs is that competition I think mm-hmm. you know that's that's what he needs um, and I think that at the moment, I think we're in a in a good place. There very well maybe some other goalkeepers that we you know we we don't know about uh, that are obviously coming through uh, that, that are obviously fairly young goal, goalkeepers that are playing for the under 18s, under 17s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that we are in a good place now. I think we're very strong, and, I, uh, and it all goes well for the future, really. And we haven't even mentioned Ramsdale as well, who's had a decent season at Bournemouth. I, yeah. I think there are two extra elements which which Stuart would, 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 would have seen far more close up to me. Is actually, if you look at um, St George's Park, I think St George's Park is just so important in terms of a sort of like a sort of university for for, for coaching and, and player development and thinking about the game. I think we've always had good players, we've always had good coaches. I don't think they've necessarily been given the support from the Football Association. I think culturally, if you look at uh, you know, the, the way that, you know, Pomo and all that, you know, what goalkeepers were expected to do, the sort of launching mm-hmm. long. I think that was, you know, a different a different era, a different culture. And I think now what's going on at the FA, and with, you know, we've got some good coaches there, there's a good culture there. For me, St George's part is just so important in terms of, sort of, you know, the development of the game, whether it's outfield, whether it's goalkeepers. And actually, I think that now the, the Football Association and the culture is actually... Stuart no better than I would, but the culture seems right in terms of development, in terms of um, player education, in terms of their own individual developments, you know, whether goalkeepers are outfield. So I think as we go forward in the future, you'll get young goalkeepers, Stuart knows, who will go into uh, St George's Park, who will rub shoulders with Pickford, with Henderson, will see the pathway, will watch them on a neighbouring pitch training maybe the goalkeepers will work together Southgate's very good at that taking players from the under 21s the under 20s whoever's there and mixing them up I think also that development that Dan Ashworth deserves praise for mm, yeah uh, absolutely to have under 15s under 60s under 70s to actually increase the games program so that you've got more competitive games you've got each age group is challenged more and the goalkeepers coming through that as, as Stuart's pointed out is, uh, is is actually pretty encouraging for the future. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. And the science that goes along with it, again, St yeah. George's Park, in terms of the science that goes along with that, the technology that's available now, you know, the analysis that that, that, uh, that can be offered, I think, again, you know, as I said, always uh, looks good. Yeah, honestly, it does sound, it does sound really, really promising for English goalkeepers. If, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a new uh, generation of crop coming through, so we'll be lo- looking forward to see how that unfolds in the, in the years to come. But uh, guys, again, I'd love to, to sit and talk to you guys for as long as you know, as long as the sun goes down. But I don't think we've got that time. So, uh, literally, just something to say. Thank you both for coming on so much. Honestly, we do appreciate it. Your football acumen and your goalkeeping acumen specifically has been very, very enlightening. So I can't thank you both enough, Henry and Stuart. Again, uh, really, really uh, glad to have you guys on. Really hope you've enjoyed it as well. And to everyone listening, I really hope you've enjoyed the chat about football as well. I'm going to put my camera on so that you can see me and you, and hopefully we can bring this home. But anyway, guys, this has been a chat about football. This has been a chat about football, everyone. So thank you so much for listening and watching if you are watching. 
We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. On we're on Twitter and Instagram at ACAF underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We'll be coming up with a lot more content in the days and weeks to come. But until the next time, guys, thank you again for listening and watching. Thank you again. Shout out football. Take care. All the best. Enjoy your day. Ta.